to another episode of Cinema Conversations with Poe. I'm your host, Poe. Today's episode is episode 15, season 2. And it's wild that we're, we've got 15 episodes in already into the uh, into the new year. This is absolutely crazy. Um, but there's, there's lots to talk about. Uh, there's going to be lots to talk about throughout the year. There's so many great films coming out, like... I'm really excited. Um, I saw the trailers got released for the new Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes films, Twister, Twisters, sorry, the sequel to Twister, 19 classic from the 90s, Deadpool 3, and I haven't seen any of them yet because for me personally, I just want to go in blind and don't want to see them. I mean, I've seen some images from Deadpool 3, as I think we all have from the set leaks, um, but there's been uh, other stuff been released as well. Um, but I haven't watched the trailer yet, but I'm, I'm just wanting to go in blind. Um, there is a brief sort of like, a announcement type, some news that I'm going to do at the end. So like I'll do this review and then I'll do the announcement thing. It's, it's not alarming. Well, it's a little bit alarming, but it's not too alarming for, for the podcast, but we'll get there when we, uh, when this is done, but Anyway, today's episode um, is going to be my review and thoughts on Do Part Dune Part One, uh, twenty twenty one version, uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve, and I'll be on. And I've already seen this film before, so it will be a spoilerish film, a spoiler talk review. But you know, Dune's been out for uh, is it two, three years now? Uh, three years now. So I had to think then. <laughs> um, so I will be going into some spoilers and stuff. So if you've not watched the film, then you know the, it won't be big spoilers because it's it's an adaptation of the book or Frank Herbert's book. So you know it's it's one of those. But recently, not recently, lately they um they just re released Doom Part One in cinemas, uh, for the build up to uh, the sequel, which is out first of March and tickets are available on Cineworld, View, and Odeon. So if you haven't got your tickets, you can definitely get them now. I know that I had a look the other day because I've got that weekend off. I was like, priorities. Um, but no, I got to see... Uh, they re-released Dune in IMAX. In I- well, yes, in IMAX, sorry. Uh, and in, you know, standard cinema and standard formats. But I myself took myself out to Leeds and uh, went to see in the IMAX, in the Cineworld IMAX in Leeds, which I got to say, their IMAX is incredible. I've been to... Liverpool's and Manchester's IMAX and they're fantastic but this one was just incredible as well you know I was right in the front and it was phenomenal you know it was really it was incredible like the 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 speakers were amazing and the sound and everything was just you know I I mean I I'm terrible when I go to IMAX uh, screens because I'm I'm always curious about the, the the size of it, the, the sound that they used, the, the speakers and everything, you know, I, I am a big film head, so it's, you know, a big film head, a big music head, sorry, so I am very curious about how it all is, I mean, I remember when I went to see View for Oppenheimer in the 70mm print, and I asked the guy about if, uh, what was it, and he said, oh, I can't give you that information, and I said, why not, I said, he said, oh, he said, uh, you know, we, we can't give that information, I was like, I'm not asking for bank details, I'm just asking to know the speakers were obviously I didn't say that to him, but in my head I was thinking it and he couldn't unfortunately he couldn't give the, the details. And everywhere I've I've asked about the 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 sound and everything, they none of them don't really know the speakers or anything, which is a 
bit of a bummer anyway. But anyway, Lee's IMAX, you know, it was amazing. It was really good. And the funny thing was, was that there was only four of us in for the 10 past 12 showing of Dehoon. Um, I mean, it was 10 past 12 in, in the afternoon and I just made it actually five minutes before the film started. I thought, oh, I was a lucky bugger there. Um, but I, I absolutely adore this film. I, I adore this film. I adore everything about it. You know, I, I, uh, I did start reading the book and then I stopped and then I've been getting back into the book and hopefully I can finish it before the film comes out, uh, part two comes out. But honestly, it's one of those adaptations that has been done well. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are stuff in the book that's, um, missing, but you know, that's not even a critique because this film, the, especially part one focuses more on about Paul and him becoming, you know, uh, his own person and everything. But everything in, in Dune, the, the, the film is just incredible. It's just incredible doesn't even describe it. Everything is just phenomenal. I mean, I remember when I was about, I think it was halfway through the film and I just kept saying to myself in my head going, this is why I love movies because on that format, on the IMAX format, it was just incredible to watch. It really was. And oh my God, this film was just, it is straight up a masterpiece. It is really something that you don't see every day in films in terms of the writing, you know, the characters, the sound and the sound design and the cinematography and even the story as well. You know, the cast in this film, no one gives a dull performance you know, not even like, I don't want to say support it, the supporting cast, but not even that those, like everyone is just incredible, you know, and, but I think the biggest one of them all, and it might just be me because I'm a little bit biased, but I think the biggest one of them all who gives an incredible performance is Timothy Chalamet, like he is fantastic in this film, and, you know, Denise said in an interview that when, uh, when he was adapting it, the only person he could think of to play Paul was Timothy, and I love that because, you know, he, he's a phenomenal actor, Timothy Chalamet. I'm a big fan and, and every, I don't want to say fan, I'm a big admirer of his work, you know. He's fantastic in everything he does. He was incredible in Wonka that just got released last year. And, you know, he's really becoming some, uh, you know, his own actor. And he's, you know, he's like, he's the same age as me, which is crazy. But he's already an Academy Award nominee. And I'm there thinking, like, you know, one day he's going to get an Oscar and it'll be incredible. He's he's truly a, ter a terrific uh, actor. He's, he's phenomenal. And his performance as Paul Atreides, it's like when you when you read the book and then you watch the film, you're like, oh my God, he embodies Paul Atreides really well. You know, Kyle MacLachlan was the original Paul Atreides in David Lynch's uh, Dune in the 80s. I believe it was 1984. And I haven't seen that version, so I can't comment on that. But I know Lynch isn't a big fan of it because there was a lot of issues with the studio and... Uh, Lynch is not a big fan of it. Um, you know, I actually did get told that to not watch David Lynch's one because everything that's going to happen in part two is in that film. And I was like, right, okay, then I'll wait and compare the two, but whatever. But but no, Timothy as Paul Atreides is just is fantastic. And of course, you've got Oscar, Oscar Isaac playing Duke Leader Atreides. You have Rebecca Ferguson playing Lady Jessica from the Benny Gesserit. You have Zendaya, who's playing Charney. You've got Dunk, uh, J J Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, uh, Dave Bautista, David Dashmalian, Stellan Skarsgård. Um, have I missed anyone from the, from the list? 
you know, you've got this, oh, Javier Bardem, of course. You've just got this impressive cast that all of them just deliver. And it's incredible, you know. I, I've said that the only thing that I wish there, were, there was more of was, was more of Paul and Lido, maybe. But that's just me because I re that like that that scene where it's Paul and Lido talking about you know where Lido uh, Paul's a little bit conflicted and he's not too sure if he wants to be a, a leader and you know Le uh, Lido says to him Duke Lido says to him that you know a great man his grandfather said this had this saying saying a great man doesn't seek to lead he's called to it and it's just oh that that scene just hits me hard. You know, it, it, the writing in this and how they've adept, adapted it is just incredible. You know, it is a fantastic book adaptation of of what Frank Herbert did. And I think if Frank Herbert was alive, I think he he would love he would absolutely love this film. You know, it, it's Dune is is I think one thing that I I think a lot of people forget a lot from is that without Dune, we wouldn't have sci-fi what it is today because almost every sci-fi film today has got some sort of influence from dune you know you take star wars for example star wars is probably the biggest one i can uh i can give because you know look the, there's so many similarities from it you know it's the same with like the matrix and mad max you know everything Pretty much, Dune was the blueprint of sci-fi. I mean, I know you had Stanley Kubrick's uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, but that's different, and it's, and it's still one of the most influential sci-fi films to this day, and every sci-fi film has influence from that. But, if anything, it's it's uh, it's Dune by Frank Herbert, who, you know, really gave the blueprint of what sci-fi is. And if you've not read the book, I would highly recommend it, because the book is incredible, you know, it, it's it, the 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 word the the words that are used in this and everything and how everything is structured and the whole the whole lore of Dune is just interesting. You know that they they uh, take the stars. You know they don't live on Earth. You know there's different there's there are different planets like the Gita Prime and the um, what is it Caladan and then of course Arrakis, which is where Dune. Uh, the sandworms live and everything like that but it is just dune is just one of those that i think everyone i think you should read at least once i'm currently reading it i mean i've got a lot of books to read but I, I, dune in particular is is one of them that i'm really getting through the most because it's just it's so enchanting if that's the if that's the word you were describing so it just the it's incredible you know, the book is, as well. But the film itself is just... For a film that's 2 hours and 36, it delivers on every scale. I mean, Jason Momoa said there was a seven-hour cut and then he debunked that. But as there was a picture of someone with... Um, someone editing the film and I was like, that's no way, there's no way near that's 2 hours and 36. Like, it, it's longer than that for sure. Whether we'll ever see that, I don't know, but... I, uh, but watching it in IMAX again, I mean, I thought I'd seen it four times, actually, uh, seen this, sorry, four times, and Letterbox said I'd logged it only in three times, I was like, hey, I was like, why have I only seen this three times since it's three, so I was like, right, gotta make sure that I'm watching this film, you know, not every month, but like, you know, enough, because, but I've watched a, a ton of the, a ton of clips, like, you know, when Paul was with the head of the Bene Gesserit, and that scene when, 
he says what's in the box and that is directly taken from the book you know there are some scenes that aren't from the book actually which is quite interesting um now this is a is it a spoiler it's a it's a it's a minor spoiler but the only thing that i wished for the first from the first, from reading the first book and wish that they put in the in the first book whether we'll see it in part 2 or not i don't know is that surprisingly enough duke leto atreides um is related to Emperor Shaddam the Fourth. Now, the Emperor in in the Doom universe, he's you know he's the most powerfulest and richest man in there. He's basically what well, Palpatine is in there. You know, he's he's powerful. He's very very powerful. He's very rich and everything. And it was said in the book that the Emperor Shaddam the Fourth and Duke Leto Atreides are cousins, which is fascinating. You know, so. Maybe that was the reason why the attack was done. I mean, listen, I'm I've only read uh, I've not even half, I don't even think I'm halfway through the book because I've had other stuff going on and I've got to, you know I'm at like uni as well. But it's interesting and it's it's just you know there are mentions of the emperor in the first film and then in the second one we are going to be getting the emperor who's going to be played by Christopher Walken, which I think is a spectacular casting. Everyone kept saying they wanted Matthew Mickelson or this actor, but when everyone saw Christopher Walken, I was like, he's going to nail it. Like, I don't think he's going to do that. Like, he's a great actor. He's not a bad actor at all. He's going to nail it. And I think he was the right guy to play Emperor Shaddam IV. I think he's going to be really great. You know, you've also got Princess Ulian, played by Florence Pugh, uh, in the second one. You've also got Austin Butler, who's going to be playing Fade Rotha. And Leah are doing it as well, and you know it's just part two is gonna be amazing, but the book itself, sorry, the the first film, as I said, you know the emperor is mentioned quite a bit, which is, and it's really well done. It's nothing is given away too much actually. In fact, how the uh, how they talk about the emperor in this film is, isn't they they don't just give everything away. You know, there's there's like there's so many questions in about it. it's like why did the emperor do this and who was this person to the emperor and who was that and everything who's this and you know were the Harkins working with the emperor and everything and it's really you know it's it's mysterious and it's it's it makes you think and everything but the film is just incredible. I mean, when I got to see this in IMAX again, actually, as I said, I just I was halfway through the film and I was like, this is why I love movies because. Watching it in that format was just incredible. You know, it really... I wish there was an IMAX cinema where you could watch all films in IMAX formats because this film was just... It's. I wanted to watch it in standard, but I felt like for me, you know, for me, I was like, I got to see this in IMAX. Like, there's no way I can watch this in standard. I was like, I got to watch this in IMAX. You know, and part two is specifically filmed for IMAX, so the whole entire film is going to be in IMAX, which is going to be unbelievable. But I also think that, you know, as I said, this film is truly special. And I think, you know, with what Denis Villeneuve made with this film was just passion, clear passion from the start to the to the end. You know, he, he didn't... Apparently, I, I, I read a thing the other day where he said he, he didn't think he would ever do... Uh, he wanted to adapt to Dune, but didn't think it would ever happen. And then next thing you know, we got part one, and then they announced part two. 
And I was just like, man, like, that's incredible that he got to do that. You know, he said he was he was obsessed with it as a kid. And I think Dune is one film, one book, actually, that I think you should read when you're in high school. And I say that because, you know, it is a hard book to read and and everything. But, you know, Denis is just... I mean, if you're not familiar with Denis, he's the guy who was behind Arrival, which is one of the best sci-fi films, Sicario, Enemy, um, in, Indices, or Incense... I think it's Indices. Um, what other films did Denis do? He did Blade Runner 2049, which I'm obsessed with that film. In fact, part of the sci-fi season they're doing at the cinema, they're actually showing that on the 26th. So, and I think, I mean, I did watch Sicario and I wasn't a fan of it, but I feel like I need to go back. But I remember watching Blade Runner and thinking, oh my God, this is incredible. Blade Runner was one film that, (coughs) sorry, Blade Runner 2049 was one film that I really paid attention to the most. And that's not to say I didn't pay attention to other films, but especially to that film and to, to Denis himself. And then I thought, right, I need to go back and, watch uh, his filmography and stuff and then obviously I watched Arrival and everything and you know he's he's probably him Nolan are probably one of the best directors of this century they're absolutely incredible don't get me wrong you've got some other great directors but I believe that Nolan and, and Villanova are the ones that are really bringing something when it comes to the cinema experience and I think that's that's what excuse me sorry I think that's what Hollywood is missing and films in general are missing these days is that, you know, they're not really bringing any, nothing, just bringing it to the cinematic experience, you know, no one pushing ways for it like he did with Oppenheimer, and of course, really love, Denis love with uh, Dune and Dune Part 2, and we're also, as far as I'm concerned, we are going to be getting Dune Messiah, which is going to be epic. Um, I haven't read the book, but I, I'm assuming it's probably going to be like another two, three years before we get that, maybe. But, you know, I as I said, Denis... What Denis did with this first film in particular is just unbelievable. You know, the CGI and the visuals are just incredible. The sound design is unbelievable. The cinematography, every shot is like a painting. I think I've said, I say this a lot in a, in a fair few of my reviews, but the, the every shot is like a painting. You know, it's a very well positioned. The camera is very well used. And I and that sounds daft me saying, but I mean, like, how they've used the camera for certain shots is fantastic. You know, um, the story, of course, is, is just, it's so captivating. I had a friend, actually, who said that he found it a bit slow, which is fair enough. Some people did say that they found it too slow, and it's fine. But I think it was more... As much as it's a sci-fi, it felt like sci-fi drama because, you know, it was all about, it was basically all eyes were on Paul. You know, he's the son of a Duke and a lady, uh, Jessica. And it's just interesting. It's just, you know, like how everything is done with it is just fantastic. Um, But it's just, man, watching this in IMAX, it was just a feeling that I can't really describe you know i think you just have to watch and you just have to be taken in by it all because it is fun it is just incredible you know i love this film i adore this film so much for so many reasons especially the score from Hans zimmer if 
anyone was going to score this, it would have been, it, it would hands down be, uh, be Hans Zimmer. Because that man is an absolute genius. The, the sounds that they made, the, the you know, for everything, there's like three different albums for it. There's the Dune sketchbook, there's the Dune, the main one, and then of course there's the companion book music, which I'm a bit bummed because you can't get that on CD. You can download it, but it's not available on CD, which is really, you know, a really a bummer. But there's one track on it, this is only the beginning, that's like 16 minutes long, and I have listened to that so many times, so many times, and it never gets boring. It never, it, it just, the score for Dune takes you to a really does feel like you're in the dune universe you know it takes you to another planet in terms of the sounds and everything they were using uh i was watching a, a brief like a 20 minute video and you know hans was explaining like how he was making new sounds for it which i just thought was you know it's it's really fantastic and he made a he made a really good point actually because he said um, he never understood why sci-fi all had like you know all the classical songs and stuff. He said you're in you're you're on, uh, this is sci-fi. It was like it it should be different to what you hear. And you know what, with what, uh, I don't want to say with what Hans did for sci-fi in general and and for the synths because you know you had some a lot of great artists before that. You had Vangelis for Blade Runner, which is one of the best soundtracks for a film but also one of the best scores of all time and just the sounds and everything of how it feels you know you have Johan Johansson who is fantastic and you've got so many great composers that really change the narrative of well not really change the narrative but add to what the film is and I think with what Hans did with the score for Dune itself was just unbelievable you know the score was phenomenal and it's funny because this, there are there are things that you'll hear in the, in the film that you'll hear on the on the soundtracks. I don't think that makes sense. Hang on, let me repeat that. There are stuff that you'll hear in the film, but from the soundtrack from the score, sorry, that you won't hear on the mains on the main sound main score. But then, if you listen to the sketchbook or the companion book music, you'll hear them on that, which is you know it's incredible. And I've got both. I've got both Dune and both the Dune sketchbook, uh, on CD because I'm I'm still a CD collector, um. But this film, you know, the score in itself for Dune is just, oh man, it's, it it's on another level. There is just. I love this. I I adore the score, and I was so glad he won the Oscar. Actually, I just wanted to point that out actually because. He's been, you know, he's made some great scores for the last decade or two. And then to see him get the score for this, for Dune, made me so happy because, you know, it really was, it was the best score of 2021 in my opinion. Might be a little biased. But it was just incredible with everything that he did on that. And then, of course, which leads me on to the next thing that I really adore about this film is... The sound design. The sound design on this film, right, is just... It's unbelievable. The score, the sound design on this is incredible. And what's really interesting about this is that even though this film is is slow, and I don't and go with me on that, it gives 
the sound design in the film to breathe. It gives it room to breathe. You know, when you watch films, you'll hear the sound, you'll hear the sounds and stuff and the sound effects and everything like that. And sometimes it doesn't give it room to breathe. But with Dune in particular, the sounds in that film, they, they are given room to breathe and, and used to the full extent of that particular sound or, or of that. You know, I, I hope that makes sense. If it's not made sense, then there's no really, uh, then I apologize. But if you do understand it, then, you know, fantastic. But um, no, the, the sound design in this is incredible. There's actually a really good, I think there's two documentaries on YouTube. Um, there's a 30 minute one. And I think the believers a 25 minute one. And they're incredible. I've I've seen parts of them. I need to really watch them, but they get going so in full depth about, you know, the sound design and and how they did it and working with Denis, uh, the the sound effect, the sound design guys, and how they made the sounds for pretty much like everything. You know, there there there's even uh, what is it? There's even shots of them when they're on location in the deserts, trying making the sounds, which is just. You know, it's incredible. What, how, I don't know, I don't know if they won for best for the Oscar for it, but I, if they didn't, then I, I, I really question it, thinking how on earth did they not win for that? Because it was just incredible, you know, but there, the, the sound design in this film is just phenomenal. In fact, watching it in IMAX with the IMAX speakers, it really enhanced it. It's not the same as what you would hear in a standard cinema screen. I mean, yes, there is. You would hear the seven point one sound, but an I'm but the iMac speakers, and the surround sound system is completely different to how it is in that, into a, in then a standard cinema screen. You know, don't get me wrong. When you go to a cinema, you are hearing you are you know the sounds are great, but and but from transferring it to an iMac into standard, the sounds are completely different. You know, when I was watching the Batman, the biggest example I can give is when I watched the Batman. I could feel the bloody room like almost like vibrating because of, you know, but that's just how good it was. And it sounded so crisp and it sounded so good. That was exactly what I got when I was watching Dune in IMAX again in, on Friday. You know, it's incredible. You know, it, it really is in it. Like I said, it gave, it gave the sound design, it gave the sound effects and everything and the sound design to, to breathe properly. Um, but, the sound design is just incredible. And it's one thing that I really, you know, I've probably said this a lot, but sound design and score are two things I really do look at when I'm watching a film. Of course, it depends on what the film is, you know. Um, it's interesting because if I'm watching a sci-fi film or something with, like, action stuff, I'm always curious about the sound and the sound design and, of course, the score. If I'm watching a drama, I'm always curious about the writing and and uh the cinematography and the direction it's it's weird like i've noticed i've been doing this uh, uh you know you sort of change it's like tomorrow actually which w which will be my next episode actually on this i'm seeing interstellar for its 10th anniversary now i saw interstellar last year but you know it's like something like interstellar i'm very interested for the sound design but also interested for the writing of course it's a masterpiece and i'll talk more on that on tomorrow's episode but with sci-fi films, I'm very interested in the sound and the sound design and the effects. So like with Star Wars or Looper, or which is another very underrated sci-fi film, I'm just saying, or Dune, um, or even like The Fifth Element. 
you know, I'm very interested in the sound and how they're going to do for that. Even the, tr in fact, the best, the best examples I can give is some of the best design for my, in my opinion, it's just in my opinion. I think the Transformers, uh, the Transformer films, the sound design in those are incredible. Uh, in fact, I believe that some of the best sound design in, in the, um, in, in, in the business and in the film actually, and in cinema it's the same with the fast and furious the sound design for those films are incredible you know but the score and the sound design in this film in particular both of them combined are just unbelievable and how they are treated in this film is also incredible as well i really adore i adore this film a lot but i really adore how I mean, I adore this film so much, but the score and the sound design are two things for me that I took I, I take away the most because it's just unbelievable. You could give me the film without the dialogue and with the sound effects and the music, and it would def and it would still be, and it would be an experience. It really would. The sound design is that good that it make that you know it's like it sounds again you've never heard, and this is why I I I strongly believe that sound design is important for a film. You know, a lot of people don't really take these things in don't really listen or are cautious of, not even cautious or are aware of this. You know, when they go and watch a film, they go and want to watch a film. They're not interested about anything else. They're just more or less interested in that. But for someone like myself, who's very invested in, into the sound that goes in, into the films like this, I'm very curious how the sound design is going to sound, uh, how the sound design is going to be for this film. You know, but this the, the sound design for this film in this is just incredible, as is the score as well. You know, one other another thing that I'm I really admire about this film, and I think a lot of people pointed this out was the costume design. You know, the costumes in this film, like the outfits for the characters. Um, there's one scene where, oh, where I can't remember what it is, but these guys come down to Caladan, the space guys. Please forgive me. Um, call myself a Doom fan, I can't remember that. But they explained that, you know, the Emperor's given uh, House Atreides permission to go on to Arrakis and everything. But this, the, the costume design in this film for every single character, and even for the extras, and, you know, even the Fremen suit as well, you know, the, the, the costume design in this film is incredible. The, the amount of detail that's in this as well, is incredible the way that they look and how it is you know the i don't again i don't know if they won for best costume designer there's i think but, but actually no i don't even know i don't be, i don't think there is and i could be wrong but costume design again is another one that gets that goes that the, they how do i say this costume design is one thing that just goes seems to go under the radar and i always think to myself that without costume designers we wouldn't have these costumes and outfits and everything that the way they do i mean just look at the the comic book suit uh the comic book suits the and how they've been designed and everything you know they've been de designed so well and so good some of them are cg which is fair enough but then some of them like M superman uh like man of steel's costume the superman costume it's incredible you know costume designing is something that just goes under the radar and just doesn't get 
uh, does, does not get the recognition it deserves. And it should get the recognition it deserves because without costume designs, we wouldn't have films, we wouldn't have the way it is. You just have a, a guy with a white top on and jeans and that'd be it, you know? But costume designs, they, they take you back to a certain place or a certain moment. I mean, one of my favourite uh, costume designs is uh, in period dramas, you know, when they're in the 1700s or the 1800s or the 1600s, you know, how they managed to get all those stuff for over 300 uh, ex extras or actors or whatever, you know, it, it's incredible. And it's the same in Dune, you know, how they did the costumes in, in this is incredible. Uh, and when, when I saw the, the, the sneak peek that they did, the, the costumes again are just going to be insane. You know, the costume design in this is just unbelievable in, in this film. It really is. You know, as I said... You know, I just simply adore this film and just love everything about it. And, you know, as I said, the story follows young man, Paul Atreides, on his journey to becoming a duke and everything with what happens. Um, it tells the story of Paul Atreides, and it's just, again, the story, even though there are some bits that aren't added in, that have been added in, they just, everything about this film is just fantastic. You know, I, I was, it's funny actually, because I was telling my friend this the other day, when I was watching this, because I'm, I, you know, I like to get a popcorn and a drink, but when I was watching it, I took some stuff with me, because, you know, prices for snacks and stuff at the cinema are crazy, but I did get a hot dog, and I got the hot dog and everything, and then I had one, like, a one bit of a big gulp of uh, my drink, and for the rest of the film, I didn't, ha I didn't, I didn't have my crisps, I didn't have my, my, my drink, I even took a big bottle of, uh, big ball lucasade that i got with me because i would you know it's better to get that but i didn't even have any of that so i took that around with me the whole time that i was there because i didn't have it when i went to see dune you know it was incredible uh when i, when I say it was incredible uh, i didn't mean that i meant that it was just in, insane that you know i took that with me and i didn't even drink because i didn't feel the need to drink or eat or anything because i was that glued to the film and was so taken by this film you know this is one film as i said I, I i need to watch this more often but this is one film that i just simply adore you know and i think there are some films that are popcorn entertainment and there are some films that are on part two you know i possibly might get a large combo or um a, a regular one but you know it's just for a film to do that is is, is unbelievable but you don't, you don't feel like you need to eat anything or drink anything. You know, it sounds daft because, you know, I would always get a, a drink and popcorn and stuff. But I feel that you don't have to, for something like Dune especially, you know, you just have a drink and that'd be more than enough. Because how this film, I don't want to say sucks you in, how this film grips you and brings you in and pulls you into this whole new world that you've never seen before and how it brings you in is just incredible you know the cinematography in this film honest to god is just one of some of the best i've ever seen there is the cinematographer was greg freiser who did the batman and i think he did rogue one i believe um and he was he knocked it out of the park everyone actually was losing their marbles because he didn't get nominated by um, for best cinematography in 2021, I think the Academy didn't, uh, nominate him, which is a real shame because, you know, I, 
I didn't want to be one of those people that God went on about it because it's the academy. We all know like that. We all know that they snub a lot of people off. But I did agree with a lot of people. And Josh Brolin even put a, a post about it saying that, you know, how this film looks and everything was all down to him because the cinematography, again, can make or break a film. And he certainly made this film. You know, every shot was like a painting. Every shot was incredible, you know, everything just the way how it how it's positioned and how it was took and how it how they use use it as well is just incredible really it, it should have been nominated for oscar and i think he should have won it i don't know who won it in 2021 um well 2022 i don't know who won it for best cinematographer but i think it was a missed opportunity and i think he, he deserves a lot of respect he's one of the best cinematographers and he's fantastic his work on the batman was amazing and his work on uh rogue one was amazing. I really hope I've got that right that he was one rogue one because if it's not, it's going to be a bit awkward. Probably going to get a comment saying you do know he didn't do that for that maybe, <laughs> but I'm confident that he did. But you know, this film itself was just incredible. It really was, and you know the cinematography was amazing. I think I've covered most of the things you know like in terms of the Brighton story and everything, the characters and all that. But it was just incredible. And to see this again on the big screen in IMAX, I, I you know, I did it on my little review on, on Letterboxd. I, I put a thing saying, this is why that I love, this is why there is no other feeling like cinema, like the cinema, and there there is no other feeling watching a film like something like this in it. You know, I've had countless talks with people and saying that the cinema experience is going, and I'm like, it's not. Because I had another friend who said this, that after the, you know, when we was in the pandemic and, he was like, that's it, we're done with things. I was like, there's no way that this is going to happen. That, that can't be because it's the only place that I, as daft as it sounds, it's the only place that I feel safe is when I'm at the cinema because you're there to watch something for an hour or two or even three hours. You go to lose your, go to lose your mind and you escape from the real world and you got to do your own thing and everything. And it's just, you know, there is no other better feeling like it. And when you're watching something like this, it, it really, it like Dune, it needs to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I have a dream that I want to go to um, BFI IMAX Theatre in London and even Odeon Leicester Square because they've got a... Their IMAX is insane. Like, man, it is just really insane. And I really need to go. I'm hoping I can do that next year or even this year. But obviously, you know, London is not cheap. But... You know, I just got to go, even if it's just for that experience and just for that one, for, for, for a particular film, you know, I would definitely go in a heartbeat. Um, but, it, you know, like I said, it has to be one of the best, best experiences I've had watching Dune. I mean, I watched it in IMAX again in the second time back in 2021 with my friend. And compared to that on a standard cinema screen, it just, it, it just defined, it, it, really was just incredible to watch something like that it was unbelievable but i simply adore dune i sim i just love everything about it denis Villeneuve is absolutely incredible and how he made this film and how we did it and everything and was just unbelievable and i i love that man i think he's an incredible man you know he he has so much passion for, for film and it's it's something you don't really see in in today in the industry in particular in the in the 
in the in Hollywood is you know finding new ways to 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 do the cinematic experience. Him and Nolan, I think, are two are two of the most incredible directors and two of the best of our time. That you know, it they're, they're incredible. They are absolutely incredible at their craft and what they do, and they have a pure passion for it. And you can see it in through all of their films. But I mean, I could be here for another hour talking about dude and talking about everything. But because uh, this has now been, but I feel that you know. This has been enough for me to talk about it. And I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I tried to do it twice the other day. I tried to record it twice, but I kept falling asleep. And I was like, right, I can do it today. You know, let's get it done. I was going to do my episode on migration and I had everything sorted for that. But for a film that was an hour and 38, I felt it was a bit hard to do one because I didn't, I didn't want to make it too sharp. Because I, like I like to talk to it where I can talk enough about the film and to stretch it to 15 or 20 minutes might have been a bit hard but I left it at that I know I said that in the last episode that it would be my thing but you know we didn't but it's all good but look we're back with another episode as I said this episode 15 which is crazy um I do have a brief little announcement sort of like news up to date to, to do which I'll do short which I'm going to do shortly um but no this pretty much brings it up to a wrap um, but I, as I said, I'm going to have this and then a little break and then we're going to just kind of have a little, uh, brief announcement to make a little, like little news of what's coming up. So, but yeah, I just want to, but the next episode will be episode 16 and that will be interstellar, which I'm seeing tomorrow, which is going to be insane. And then on Valentine's day, because I've got nothing to do. Um, I got two films actually I'll be watching. There's uh Les Miserables, uh, 10 things I hate about you and, Notting Hill. Now, ten things I hate about you. I have seen Notting. Uh, I haven't seen. Sorry, uh, so that will be really great. And of course, Notting Hill. I have seen a bunch of times, and it is a phenomenal film. So, uh, that will be sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. By the end of this month, actually, we should, we'll probably have about twenty, twenty one, twenty two films. Uh, tw- twenty one, twenty two films. Twenty, twenty one, or even twenty two films. Um. 22 films hang on 20 21 or 22 podcast episodes there we go bloody hell i got it on the right one because of course you've got madam webb and the bob marley film there's also another film that i've saw at the cinema called cast up which i'm hoping i can see that at some point so and then of course there's uh there's wicked little liars uh an upcoming uh unlimited screen which i'm really excited for so you know, there's some good stuff to look forward to, but I hope by the end of this year, this month, I'll have 22, at least 22 episodes, or which is absolutely wild. So, but yeah, that was my thought review on, on Dune 2021. Um, it, you know, kind of went spoiler territory a, a bit, but not too much. Um, but yeah, that I think that that pretty much wraps it all up. As I said, I'm going to do a little short break, and then I'm going to bring it. I'm going to do uh, another uh, thing. So. You know, another brief and brief announcement to make, so it's all good. But I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. It really means the world. Um, thank you for being here, and I really appreciate it. So, yeah, thanks for being everyone. I'm just gonna take a little quick break, but we'll be back after this. Uh, quick break. We'll be back after with a little brief news announcement updating. So, I'll see you there, everybody, and I'll see you in the next episode, which will be episode sixteen on Interstellar. So, thank you for tuning in, everyone. I'll see you shortly. Thanks. Bye. 
What's good, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, thank you for that short break. Uh, this is only just going to be a, a brief one, a brief announcement to make, a little bit update on the news and stuff um, with, in terms of the podcast. Now, this doesn't directly affect the podcast completely, but at the same time, it does to an extent. So I'll explain. So basically, the other day, I got an email from Spotify for podcasters to say that they were making some changes and stuff. And I thought, oh, you know, it's going to be one of those where, you know, they're just making changes and stuff and everything. Not realizing that they said that they're going to get rid of the record from your phone and editing tools and a bunch of other stuff. Which, I'm going to be straight up with you, really pissed me off actually. Because, you know, the whole point why I started this review was the uh, review. The whole point I started this podcast was so then I could do this from my phone where I could just tap away a button and just record on the mic. Which, you know, as I said, this is why I did this, you know, in fact, I got inspired from this from a, a guy who I listened to, Joe Longo, who's amazing, and his podcasts are amazing, and I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it, and, you know, I've been doing this since July last year, and for them to change it all around, I gotta say, is is, is a bit, is, uh, is quite hard to take in a little bit, I mean, I ended up, I had, I spoke to one of the guys on Spotify and they said that they don't have much information about this right now. And I was like, why the fuck, why on earth are they sending an email out saying this and then going back on their word? I was like, that doesn't make any sense. That's stupid. So I don't know. Um, I mean, they said it's not going to kick in till June. So, you know, hopefully by then there'll be a bunch of stuff done, but it's still going to impact a bit because, you know, I've got a recorder on my phone as most phones have a recorder, but you know, it might not, it might mean that I won't be able to have the little intros that I do, the little intro sounds, which I might have to download them and something like that, which is not what I want to do, if I'm being perfectly honest, so I'm not happy with Spotify about that, and, you know, with them, I don't agree with it at all, I really don't, you know, I just, I don't think it's a good move from uh Spotify themselves and especially from other other podcasters on this as well. Um you know I, I one guy reached out to me or someone because it was they didn't say specify but someone reached out to me on Twitter and said you know they reckon that it could be to do with a subscription or something. I was like if they're doing that for an, a subscription that is a total wrong and they shouldn't be doing that because you know a bunch of people have podcasts on Spotify and you know the main reason why they did it obviously is because you can do it on your phone. Anyone can do it. And I don't know, I don't get why they're, they're now changing it. You know, they said they're going to update and keep everyone on the thing. But even I personally still don't agree with it. You know, this was the main reason why. It's the fact that I can go on this app, click on, you know, sort of thing, look at my statistics and everything like that. And then I can go on record new, you know, pick a sound what I want from the intro. And then I can literally just... uh go ahead and record like I'm doing right now. But the fact that they're changing that, you know, it's not good. It's not good enough. And I think that they need to do more about, that Spotify themselves need to do more about it. Um. So, as I said, it does affect the podcast, but not directly. And this is, isn't happening until June. So up until then, I can still use this, of course. I mean, I can still use it after June. But I just can't record on the app, which is a real bummer, actually. So, you know, it's 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 one of them. So, I don't know. But I just wanted to, to give a brief update on that, which because I personally believe that, you know, more should be done for this. And I don't think this is right that what Spotify are doing. It's just my personal opinion.
you know, I will happily talk to them about it or try and get some uh, talk to them about it and try and get somewhere with them and say this isn't right because there's other people, there are probably millions of other people who use Spotify for podcasters uh, to do this and everything. And I thought this is a really cool thing, but for them to do that, it's just like, oh, okay. So I don't know. But, you know, as I said, it was just a brief update and I'm just letting you know where, where everything is with the podcast and all that. So, but yeah. But anyway, as I said before, uh, thanks for being here, everyone. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, I saw that we have 19 uh, followers or people that have subscribed to it. So I just want to say thank you to those 19 people. I really appreciate it. Um, if you're new around here, yeah, click on the icon and make sure you stay up to date with it all. It's now on Apple Podcast, which is still wild to me. Um, but I'm still here. We're still here and everything, and it will be my next. Uh, we'll be here for the next episode, which will be episode sixteen on my review and thoughts on Interstellar, which I've already seen, God knows how many times. But yeah, so aside from all that, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all having a good week, and I hope everything is going well for you. Um, if you're not, then I'm sorry to hear that, and I hope you the rest of the week gets better for you, or your day gets better for you. So. Hang in there, friends. You got this, and you're all doing a great job. But as I said, I will see you in the next episode, which will be uh, Interstellar, sorry, episode 16. And it will be my review and thoughts on Interstellar, which as it was one of my favorite films of all time. So, But until then, I will see you there. Take it easy, guys, and I will see you in the next episode of episode 16. Thanks, everyone. Toodles. <laughs>